Hey friends, I hope you're all staying as safe and healthy and comfortable as possible, and that you're taking care of all the people and pets and pimples that are important to you. Speaking of pimples, I've got a zit on the top of my head. It's like right on my bald spot, right in the back there. And if you feel that part of your own head, unless you're blessed with a mane of incredibly thick and lustrous hair, and if you are, I'm envious, good for you, I am not. But if you feel back there, there's, there's not a lot of flesh. It's as if your skull is right under the skin. How I got acne there is anyone's guess. What sucks is I, I can't pop it because the skin is so tight, there's nothing to squeeze. <sighs> Folks, sometimes there's no good anecdote to segue into a plug for my books. So I'm just going to let you know that you are now listening to the People Are the Enemy podcast. And I'm the host of the show. My name is Andy Mascola. Hello! There are no ads on this podcast, and there is no Patreon set up for it. The only thing I've ever asked of listeners is if you love the show, and if you'd like to help support it and myself monetarily and get yourself, or the reader in your life, some exciting literature, please consider purchasing any or all of my books. I'm the author of ten novels that are all currently available worldwide in both paperback and ebook formats via Amazon. And if you don't use Amazon, you can find and purchase all of my titles in ebook format at Google Play. Just search my last name, which is spelled M-A-S-C-O-L-A. That's how you'll find my books on Google Play. If you've already purchased any or all of my books, thank you, thank you, thank you. I sincerely appreciate your generous patronage. And with all that out of the way, here's the quirky theme song. listening to episode 278 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Thank you for checking it out. You gorgeous oddballs. You beautiful eccentrics. It's good to have you. You're in the right place. Don't let anybody tell you you have bad taste, because you're rolling with me. And I'm going to show us some fun here. We're going to have a good time. All right, let me fade out of this thing. I love it, but it's time to get into business here. Thank you very much. Karaoke style of Express Yourself by Charles White. How great was that, huh? Man, oh man. Man, before I get into anything else, I should I should say happy birthday to my wife. This show is dropping on her her birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, honey. Takes a long time to find the right person in this life. You know what I mean? It's hard. If you find the right person, God bless you. You know what I mean? You remember being lovesick? 
Remember going through that as a younger person? I remember going through love sickness. I think everybody's been through it, right? You know, you, you, you're pining for somebody that, that maybe doesn't feel the same way for you as you do for them, you know? Maybe they're far, far away and you can't be together. Man, oh man, those days, some some weird, weird days follow, man, that lovesickness that'll make you do weird things. Riding your bike for miles and miles. Writing odd poetry, probably terrible poetry. <laughs> Listening to the same sad songs again and again. Just, just, man, oh man, just like wandering around, you know what I mean? Kind of lost, kind of aimless. Maybe you're, maybe you were old enough to drive and you, you just drive, man. Listening to, listening to a, a sad, sad song. You know what I mean? Just trying to, just trying to get in your feelings, you know? Maybe you're recording yourself, man. Maybe you're one of those people. You had like a little, little cassette recorder, you know? What was that? John Cusack and Say Anything, right? Where he's all lovesick and in the, in the rain driving with his little micro cassette recorder. Am I remembering that correctly? I hope I'm not confusing that with Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks, but who, who knows, anyway. But the worst was at night, you know what I mean? Worst was at night because with all the lights off, in the dark, laying there in bed, nothing to distract you. It was just you and your heart, man. And your heart's beating away, but you hear something else, you know what I mean? It's not just your heart, you know. It's another sound. Another sound coming from your body. And you can't quite figure out what it is, you know. But it feels like, it sounds like it's coming from your chest. Coming from your heart area. What's that sound? And you say, I could have loved you. You could have loved me. The worst, right? Love sickness. Peaches, only two full-length albums. Chris Applegren from Lookout Records, lead singer. Holy crap, what a voice. Man, oh man. Love Sickness. Yeah, I just wanted to play that song. I need an excuse to. <laughs> Thanks for humoring me. <laughs> no, but honestly, I've been lovesick. You know, you've been there. We've all been there. 
Speaking of my wife, she works with a fella who sent home some cool things for me to check out. This guy, this guy Chuck, that she works with. He's into oddball movies, oddball music. My wife says, uh, I think you'd get along well with this guy I work with. So last week, Chuck sends my wife home with two volume five and volume six compilations of these 60s garage rock songs from this collection called Back from the Grave from Crypt Records. Oh my God. Wow. Wild garage rock from bands all over the United States, mostly teenagers, 60s, 1960s, that is. Very, very cool. The other thing he sent, and this was fun, and I was having a blast with this, uh, and I've got to give it back to him, but uh, he loaned me, gave me the records, but loaned me the Psychotronic video guide. I've got it here. This, thing, this thing's huge, man. Listen to this. It's got... That's it landing on my lap. It's got over 3,000 movies in it. It's written by this fellow, Michael J. Weldon. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you how he describes these movies. Horror, science fiction, fantasy, and exploitation. These are the releases that used to be called B-features and were later popular in inner-city grindhouses, at drive-ins, and on local late-night TV. This thing is so much fun. So this guy... Michael J. Weldon compiled this book. Again, over 3,000 films. And uh, the book came out, when did it come out? I think mid-90s. Let me see here. 1996. Oh my gosh, is this thing a treasure? But uh, what I did was I, I went through it. And I found, uh, <laughs> I found some, uh, some, some reviews of these films in here that I thought were quite funny. And uh, the uh, plots were just preposterous. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to read some of these on the show. I think people would enjoy this. So let me find the ones I bookmarked here. Okay, here's the first one I bookmark. It's for a film called The Acid Eaters from 1968. Here's a, here's a description. Four middle-class office worker couples become weekend bikers, it says in quotes, in all red clothes. They go for a topless swim, play strip poker, and, in quotes, freak out on and in the White Pyramid. It says, in quotes, what is the White Pyramid? Who knows? In fantasy segments, a guy has sex with his neighbor, and a blonde dances topless while a black guy plays bongos. Comic actor Buck Cartelian dominates things as Artie, and also shows up with a pitchfork as the devil, who shows the others how to smoke pot and gives them huge cubes of LSD. The dubbing of the silly adult sex and drug comedy is awful. And, and the motorcycle scenes seem endless. But the flash-forward editing is effective, and the women look fine. <laughs> All right, let me give you another one here. I'll do a couple of these, because I thought they were fun. Um, okay, this is another one. Okay. This one is called... Uh, this is from uh, the description of a movie called The Arousers. Again, this is from... The Psychotronic Film Guide by Michael J. Weldon. Okay. This is called uh, uh, this is called The Arousers. It's a film that came out in 1970. Here's a description. Tab Hunter plays Eddie, 
a milk-drinking high school gym teacher living at a beach house who is also a pathetic, impotent, impotent, rather, voyeur, and a necrophiliac killer. <laughs> After years as a blonde hunk pinup, this was his last major theatrical role until John Waters brought him back for Polyester in 1981. This film wasn't released until 1972 by Roger Corman's New World. In a by-now-cliched scene, Eddie's mother, in a flashback, is seen as the likely cause of his problems. So you think he has problems? <laughs> He's a milk-drinking high school gym teacher living on a beach house who is also a pathetic, impotent voyeur and a necrophiliac killer. <laughs> yeah, I'd say he's got some issues. Let's see. Where did, where did I leave off here? Uh, most of the many murders aren't bloody, but the slow, moody music and Hunter's convincing acting make them very effective. After the first victim is killed, her roommate tells the LAPD about Eddie. But they bust her for pot instead! Exclamation <laughs> point. Isabel Jewell, a star in the 30s, plays a neighbor. Roberta Collins plays a hooker, who dresses up for Eddie and pretends to be dead. And Sandy Kenyon is the TV newscaster. It's pretty disturbing, you think? <laughs> oh my god, that's called the arousers. Okay, let's see what else we got here. I got two more. Do you like these? All right, I'll give you two more. Okay, this is from 1971. It's called Caged Virgins. <laughs> okay, here's a description of this film. Two pigtailed lesbians, a blonde and a redhead, dressed as clowns, blow up a car after a chase and hide out in a cemetery. They go to a castle where a female vampire with 18th century clothes and pointy teeth keeps brutal, ugly male slaves. The two crooks are tied up, pawed, and eventually used to lure more male victims. Its slow going has very little dialogue and features real bats. <laughs> okay. All right, one more. Okay. This was uh this is one you, you you may have seen or you may be familiar with. I was I was I'm familiar with this film if only because I remember seeing it in Suncoast Videos, which was like this store that sold videotapes back in the day in Mall in the Mall. Uh, this is a uh, this is a Rudy Ray Moore film. Okay, it's called The Devil's Son-in-Law, otherwise P.D. Wheatstraw, The Devil's Son-in-Law. Here's here's a description of the plot of The Devil's Son-in-Law from 1977. After P.D. Wheatstraw, comedian Rudy Ray Moore, is born full grown on a stormy night in a shack, he beats up his father for disturbing his sleep. Later, Petey becomes a nightclub comedian and dies when the evil Mr. White blasts a funeral. I don't know what that means. Blasts a funeral. Anyway. He goes to hell. A red spotlight is the special effect, it says. <laughs> and meets Satan. If he marries the devil's ugly daughter, he can return to Earth for revenge. You won't believe it! Exclamation point. His magic cane can turn men into dogs and make fat people thin with Leroy and Skillet as rival comics and Cy Richardson. There was even a soundtrack album. <laughs> the Psychotronic Video Guide. A lot of fun. Okay, I've got one more thing for you before we go. And uh, I'm queuing it up now. But before we get into that, I was going to play this because I was thinking about this and uh, how much I enjoyed it. So, one more time. You ready? Do you know what's coming? Can you guess? Take a guess right now. I'll let you think about it. Think about the last, not the last episode, but the one previous to that one. Do you remember? 
This is, um, let me give you the description of this one, because I wrote it down. This is uh, Nina Simone, the jazz singer. It's an interview from 1999 with a British journalist. I'm not sure who the gentleman is. And uh, she's talking about shooting at a record executive who was trying to steal her royalties. This is, uh, this is a lot of fun. So again, Nina Simone in 1999 being interviewed and uh, talking about uh, being in Switzerland, where she was living at the time and shooting at a, uh, a record executive who was trying to steal her royalties. Here we go. Before I let you go, one question. There is a report that at a business meeting once, you pulled out a knife. I sure damn did. Did you? Yes, I did. Why? Because... Oh, dear. Because there was a record company... <laughs> You were about to say something. You I can't say. I was a record company that stole my albums and didn't pay me. And they came to Switzerland. And I said, where's my money? They said, we're not going to give you any money. I said, oh, yes, you are. And I got a gun. Uh, it was a gun. It wasn't a knife. And I followed him to a restaurant, and I tried to kill him. I missed him, and I went back to America. You actually pulled the trigger? Oh, f not. Excuse me. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and, felt, and felt better for it. Oh, yes. Sorry I didn't get him. <laughs> Is that not the best? Nina Simone. Wild. And with all that, I am going to hand things over now to our friend Rachel from Des Moines. And she is going to give you the chart chat. So, without any further ado, take it away, Rachel. Thanks, Andy. Hello, and welcome back to Rachel's Chart Chat for another week. Thanks to everyone who listened last week, especially all the fans of Zach Walliner and Wally Wacky Man who stuck around for my segment. Thanks to Mary and Sherry, no relation, for your kind comments, and to Andy, you too, for pointing out that LL Cool J sampled the theme from SWAT for his song, I'm Bad. I have a few chart picks I want to share with you this week, and then I'm going to read another bad song-related Dave Berry column for you. From the Hot 100 of April 14, 1984, at number 92 is Don't Waste Your Time by Yarborough Peoples. That made it to number 48, but it was a number one R&B hit. It was actually their second time to top the R&B charts after 1980's uh, Don't Stop the Music. That one hit number 19 on the pop chart. It was their only pop top 40 appearance. Yarborough and Peoples are a duo composed of Kevin Yarborough and Alisa Peoples. They're from Dallas, and I read that they met taking piano lessons as children, um, and they were married in 1987. Then they are still together and still performing music. It seemed like they maybe get sing about once a year, perform about once a year. I picked this one because I really like the perspective on it. I, I, I'm kind of mildly obsessed with songs that are like, someone is talking to somebody else they're not in a romantic relationship in about that person's relationship and i'm thinking about doing that for a future segment while i was on youtube to get the clip of don't waste your time i found out that yarborough and peoples used 
puppets in their video for Don't Stop the Music. So for all the puppet fans out there, definitely check out the video of Don't Stop the Music. They also had the puppets when they appeared on American Bandstand in 1983. Up next is a song that I came to know from seeing the video on the VJ Big Suit Twitch stream. As a reminder, you can always join that on Tuesday nights. So at number 79, we have Blue Light by David Gilmore. That would make it to number 62. This was his only U.S. Hot 100 appearance. But he did have several singles that charted on the U.K. side. This is from his second solo album, About Face. And the album itself went gold. It was his uh, final... He didn't have another solo album again until 2006's On an Island. And... it seems unfair to say this about a, a song from a guitarist, but I love this one mainly for the great horn section. And it was performed by the Kick Horns, I learned. And the song also, and the album also features Jeff Procaro on drums and percussion. And finally, from 84, I wanted to mention that this week was the peak of Weird Al Yankovic's song Eat It. It was at, made it to number 12. I think everybody knows this one, so I'm not breaking any new ground. But uh, for a long time, that was his uh, highest charting single. Um, it was his fifth single released, uh, you know, My Bologna, of course, being the first. That one didn't chart. He had two that made the bubbling under, and the uh, Mickey's parody Ricky about I Love Lucy made it to number 63. And then this was number 12, so that's a pretty big deal. And a lot of times I would hear him describe himself as the Eat It guy, and I admittedly didn't know the significance. I didn't know that this would have been such a big hit compared to his other songs. Um, It was, in fact, his only top 40 hit of the 80s. In 1992, his song Smells Like Nirvana cracked the top 40 at number 35. And then it took until 2006 for Al to reach the top 10 on the pop charts with White and Nerdy. And then uh, also of note, in 2014, his album Mandatory Fun hit number one on the album charts after Never Not Funny host Jimmy Pardo declared it would when Al guessed it on the show. And that was his first number one album. So now I'm going to read another one of these columns. And there's a song in here that does mention uh, women's body measurements. I believe it's done in a humorous way, sort of like Brick House. But if that's something that you don't like hearing, just turn it, turn it down for the part with the music. Play it again, Dave. A survey of songs sung bad by Dave Barry, November 22nd, 1992. In a recent column, I noted that certain songs are always getting played on the radio, despite the fact that these songs have been shown in scientific laboratory tests to be bad. One example I cited was Neil Diamond's ballad, I Am, I Said, in which Neil complains repeatedly that nobody hears him, quote, not even the chair. I pointed out that this does not make a ton of sense unless Neil has unusually intelligent furniture. Mr. Diamond, your Barker lounger is online too. Well, it turns out there are some major Neil Diamond fans out there in Readerland. They sent me a large pile of hostile mail with mouth froth spewing out of the envelope seams. In the interest of journalistic fairness, I will summarize their main arguments here. Dear Puke Nose, just who the hell do you think you are to blah blah, a great artist like Neil, blah blah, more than 20 gold records, blah blah, how many gold records do you have, you scum-sucking wad of blah blah, I have personally attended 1,794 of Neil's concerts, blah blah, what about Love on the Rocks, huh? What about Cracklin' Rosie, blah blah, if you had one-tenth of Neil's talent, blah blah, so I listened to Heartlight 40 times in a row, and the next day the cyst was gone, and the doctor said he had never seen such a rapid, blah blah, what about Play Me, what about Song Sung Blah? cancel my subscription if I have one. So, 
we can clearly see that music is a matter of personal taste. Person A may hate a particular song, such as Havin' My Baby by Paul Anka, who I suspect is also Neil Sedaka, and Person B might love this song. But does this mean that Person B is wrong? Of course not. It simply means that Person B is an idiot, because some songs are just plain bad, and Havin' My Baby is one of them, and another is Bad Bad Leroy Brown. That's not merely my opinion. That's the opinion of many readers who took time out from whatever they do, which I hope does not involve operating machinery, to write letters containing harsh remarks about these and other songs. In fact, to judge from the reader reaction, the public is a lot more concerned about the issue of song badness than they were about the presidential election campaign, which, by the way, is over, so you can turn on your TV again. And it's not just the public, it's also the media. I put a message on the Miami Herald's newsroom computer system, asking people to nominate the worst rock song ever, and within minutes, I was swamped with passionate responses. And these were from newspaper people, who are legendary for their cold-blooded non-involvement. I realize this is a bad time for you, Mrs. Weimer, but could you tell me how you felt when you found Mr. Weimer's head? Even the managing editor responded, arguing that the worst rock song ever was, quote, whichever one led to the second one. Other popular choices were A Horse With No Name, performed by America. Billy Don't Be a Hero by Bo Donaldson and the Haywoods, Kung Fu Fighting by Carl Douglas, Copacabana by Barry Manilow, Me and You and a Dog Named Boo by Lobo, Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jacks, Feelings by Various Weenies, Precious and Few by some people who make the weenies who sang Feelings sound like Ray Charles, The Pepsi Song by Ray Charles, Muskrat Love by The Captain and Tennille, Every Song Ever Recorded by Bobby Goldsboro, and virtually every song recorded since about 1972. It's worse than ever, is how my wife put it. Anyway, since people feel so strongly about this issue, I've decided to conduct a nationwide survey to determine the worst rock song ever. I realize that similar surveys have been done before, but this one will be unique. This will be the first rock song survey ever, to my knowledge, that I'll be able to get an easy column out of. So I'm asking you to send me your nominations in two categories. One, worst overall song, Two, worst lyrics. In the second category, for example, you might want to consider a song I swear I heard back in the late 1950s, which I believe was called Girls Grow Up Faster Than Boys Do. I've been unable to locate the record, but the chorus went... I'm sure you can do worse than that. So write your two nominations, one song in each category, on a postal card, not a letter, and send it to Bad Song Survey Care, Dave Barry, the Miami Herald, 1 Herald Plaza, Miami, Florida, 33132. Send your card today. Be in with the in crowd. We'll have joy, we'll have fun. So Cracklin' Rosie, get on board. Because honey, I miss you. And your dog named Boo. So I've researched a little bit about that song. Uh, it turns out that it was done by a girl group called The Cookies, and it made it to number 33 on both the pop and R&B charts uh, in 1963, peaking in early 64, so not the late 50s, but it wasn't super far off. And The Cookies was two different lineups, uh, and this was kind of the second lineup, which was Dorothy Jones, Earl Jean McRae, and Margaret Ross. The song was written by the duo of Keller and Goffin, but it was arranged by Carole King. And the Cookies sang backup for many songs, including the Goffin King compositions such as Locomotion, and oddly enough, a Neil Sedaka song. 
And the Cookies had two other top 40 appearances of the pop charts. Uh, the song Chains, which the Beatles cover on their first album. And Don't Say Nothing Bad About My Baby. That was their biggest hit, reaching number seven. Well, thanks for listening uh, for a little bit of a different ep this week. I'll be back with more chart picks next week. And uh, back to you, Andy. Thank you, Rachel. As always, awesome stuff. This has been episode 278 of the People Are the Enemy podcast. Our theme song is Walrus Love by Nokia Ocean. You can find that song and more at pizzapuppies.bandcamp.com. My name is Andy Mascola. You can purchase my novels via Amazon and other online book retailers in both paperback and ebook formats for as little as $1.99. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you, Rachel from Des Moines. We love you. Peace.